From the great American Pacific Northwest, greetings and welcome, my friends, to this week's edition of the Parachronicle Almanac. I'm Jonathan Hawk. Well, now this week we're going to take a look at an unusual UFO sighting in Zimbabwe, Africa, and some dancing lights over a Mississippi town. And will the congressional UFO report due in a couple of months be delayed? Another caller into the Parachronicle hotline gives her account of a ghost hunting expedition at the old Montana prison in Deer Lodge, Montana, several years back. And here we go again, the Communist Party of China disregarding international territorial rights. This is one we're going to have to keep an eye on. Remind me what the UN is there to do again? We'll cover that and more coming right up. Now, before we get to the news, don't forget to like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our show. And we're always looking for stories from you, paranormal or otherwise, so give us a call on the Parachronicle hotline at 818-570-0126 if you'd like your story featured on a future episode. That's 818-570-0126. Save it to your contacts. Or you can always email at hawk at theparachronicle.com. That's H-A-W-K-E at theparachronicle.com. And on that note, let's dive right in. We start off this week from a story from UK Express where they say that a UFO sighting in Zimbabwe knocked a man off of his bike. In an interview with ZBC News, Mr. Miambo said the sound from the UFO caused him to fall off of his motorbike. He told the local news outlet, I was traveling home on my motorbike at around 9am when I witnessed a strange light traveling in the sky. I tried to concentrate on riding, but what made me fall was the sound that followed after the light. I then fell off the bike due to panic. I thought I was dying. Describing the UFO, Mr. Miambo said it looked like a rocket with fire on its back. He suffered a leg injury after falling off of his bike and is now recovering in the Chipinge District Hospital. Defending his vision, he said, I was 100% sober, but I was so confused because I thought I had encountered those strange things people see in the dark and, and in thick forests. Other residents have supported Mr. Miambo's account and said they saw the bright light followed by a loud, booming sound. And in another UFO sighting this week from the DeSoto Times, residents witnessed dancing lights above South Haven, Mississippi in a possible UFO sighting. South Haven resident David Howell is a strong believer of other life forms living beyond planet Earth. His video of strange lights over South Haven is becoming a viral sensation of what appears to be strange lights hovering over his neighborhood. Howell, 41, said he came home from a friend's house Sunday night, opened his car door, and saw the orbs. Quote, they caught my eyes. My eyes went straight to it, to the north, northeast, Howell said. I live off of Swinea Road in South Haven, about a mile uh, and a half from State Line. The airport is just north of my house. I, I just seen these bright orbs and they were just dancing with each other. Some were still coming up and there was a bigger one. It was between 10 to 13 of them and they were just dancing back and forth, a, a bigger one that hung behind after the others had left. Well, Hal said the orbs pulsated with different colors. I'm not talking about plane colors, said Howell. We know they weren't planes. We know they weren't drones. The FAA didn't have any flight plans. Drones can only get 100 feet off the ground, and these things were way up in the air. The last one just took off. It was there, and then it was gone. That really blew my mind. Hal recalled a similar experience years ago when he and a buddy were on a hunting trip and saw a reddish, orange, and green object. Quite it was just hovering in the air, and all of a sudden it shot straight up, Howell said. 
This was about 20 years ago. A motorist driving from Oklahoma to Philadelphia, Mississippi was in South Haven late Sunday night and also reported seeing lights in the sky. Medina Johnson and her husband Lamo were traveling on Highway 55 after an evening at Chuck E. Cheese. Johnson said she saw lights hovering right above the road. Quote, it was so bright I thought they were drones. It was mind-boggling, said Johnson. Five other cars were in front of us, so I know that they had to have been seen as well by them. Johnson and her husband both saw the lights and wondered if they were supposed to stop. I don't believe in UFOs, said Johnson, but there were lots of different lights. Howell said his father, James Howell, and a neighbor also saw the lights. Howell and Johnson aren't alone in reporting UFO sightings. And now, as we've mentioned here on the program many a time, the U.S. government has recently declassified a report of UFO sightings given credence that strange hovering objects do exist. And former director of national intelligence John Ratcliffe said in, during a Fox News interview that a soon-to-be-released report by the Pentagon and other federal agencies will give more details to the public. That report is expected to be released June 1st, which leads us, unfortunately, into my next story. And this from Mystery Wire via WFLA News 8 in Florida, the Congressional UFO report might miss deadlines as Senator Marco Rubio. One day after talking to a TMZ photographer about UFOs in the highly anticipated UAP report that is supposed to be submitted by U.S. intelligence agencies by June 1st, Senator Marco Rubio told Fox Business he is, quote, not sure they're going to come in on time. But the clock remains ticking for the Pentagon's hush-hush program to investigate UFOs and the other intelligence agencies included in the request. At the Pentagon, it's called the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, UAPTF, and it has been ordered to prepare a detailed overview of the UFO mystery for submission to Congress, as, we, as we've mentioned many a times on this program. However, as Senator Rubio mentioned, there are already challenges to meeting this deadline. The first public mention of the UAPTF came in June 2020 when the Senate Intelligence Committee formally asked the Pentagon for a comprehensive analysis of the UFO mystery. Over the previous three years, members and staff of key committees had received closed-door briefings about startling encounters between the U.S. military and UAPs. Senator Rubio has acknowledged to Mystery Wire that lawmakers consider this to be a serious matter. Last week, John Radcliffe, the top intelligence official under former President Donald Trump, explained that the forthcoming report will outline, quote, a lot more sightings than have been made public. Some of those have been declassified, Ratcliffe said during the interview. A spokesperson for current DNI, Avril Haines, told Politico.com that, quote, we are aware of the requirement and will respond accordingly. In speaking with Maria Bartiromo on Fox Business News this past weekend, Senator Rubio had this to say, quote, well, first, I'm not sure they're going to come in on time, to be honest with you, because they miss a lot of deadlines and government on these sorts of things. Well, you know, it's government, but we'll get a report at some point. Second is that I'm not sure that by June 1st, they'll have reached a hard conclusion about what we're dealing with. And there may be more questions or new questions than full answers after the fact. I can tell you it's being taken more seriously now than it ever has been. And look, there's a stigma associated with this. When a Navy pilot would report that they saw something, they were told, 
you need to go see a flight surgeon, you know, so to check out your head, you know, make sure you're not seeing things. So there's a stigma associated with, with reporting it, even talking to you about it right now, right? I mean, people are going to go and say, look what these people are focused on when the world is falling apart. So there's a stigma associated with it. And that's, I think, it needs to go away. We don't have any preconceived notions about what this is or isn't. We just need to know, uh, or start to know, at the very least, uh, an understanding of what these things are. So I think the first step is to ask the question. If you don't ask the question, you're not going to begin to get answers. So we'll see if that report comes out in June as planned, but I think there are some doubts as there kind of always are with big reports like this coming out of our government here in the U.S. or any government really around the world. Fingers crossed. And now we love to hear from you, the Parachronicle Almanac audience, which is why we have the Parachronicle hotline. Well, a listener recently called in with an encounter she had at the old Montana prison in Deer Lodge, Montana, along Highway 90. Now, for context, the prison originally opened as the territorial prison in Deer Lodge in 1871, only closing in the late 1970s, roughly 100 years later. So you could imagine the history of a place like that, given the time frame of its existence and location. Hard people during hard times during the great expansion of the American West. Well, anyway, we'll let our caller take it the rest of the way. Hi, this is Jillian. I am from Bozeman, Montana, and I want to share my paranormal experience that happened at the Deer Lodge Prison Museum in Deer Lodge, Montana. This experience happened in 2007, and even before then and since then, though I have been touched at her footsteps, had my name called, um, had a few other things happened. This is the most memorable experience I ever had. Um, I got to take part in a two-night investigation with two paranormal groups, one that was a local Montana group and one that was from Washington, I believe. Um, I was very young at the time, but still very much in love with the paranormal as I am today. So, of course, I jumped on it. Uh, a family member had asked, who, who worked at the Pusa Museum, actually asked if I wanted to take part in it. So I was very excited. The first night I was by myself and it was really fun. I got to really learn the ropes with one of the director's daughters and her friend, uh, and I believe her brother as well. We got to learn the ropes of how to be an investigator. We got to practice an EVP session. Um, we heard a few things, felt a few cold spots and watched some batteries drain. But that was pretty much it. It was the second night that things really got revved up. Uh, my dad joined me for the second night. He was very much interested in taking some night shots with his camera and also just, you know, going along for the ride. And the second night, we also had uh, friends of the director, a mom, a dad, and a daughter about my age, I believe. Uh, they joined us. So we had a few more in the group. And while one team took the newer friends off to, you know, go through what they had done night one. Um, we were kind of taken off in our own direction and immediately went and started investigating. It wasn't until about midnight, 1230, that my experience really started. Uh, we were in the cell block. Um, and in the cell block, it's kind of U-shaped. There is a street side that has street lights. So you have light on that side. And then it kind of U-shapes with a shower wall. 
and then comes around on the courtyard side, which is pitch black, very dark. Um, so I call the street side the light side and the courtyard side the dark side. We were sitting on the light side waiting for another team to finish investigating in solitary. So we were just waiting off where we wouldn't make it too much noise or cause an issue with what they were capturing on EVP. About halfway through that, as we were starting to get ready to get up and leave, I started to feel very anxious. Uh, couldn't explain it, had never had that feeling before, and my attention suddenly diverted to the next level of the cells. Kept looking up at the corner, kept looking up at the corner, looking back, trying to make conversation. But the whole time I just felt like something was watching me and it got worse. I actually started to get very agitated. Uh, and one of the investigators finally asked if I was okay. And I said, I don't know. I'm just feeling very anxious. Around the time when we started to get up and move, the idea was to walk around the U towards the showers um, to the dark side and then head back out to the courtyard so that the newer uh, friends of the family could have that experience of kind of walking around in the dark. I, the moment I heard that, was immediately against it, hated the idea, did not want to do it. It took them, including my dad, who was now starting to get worried, a lot, about a minute or two, about a minute or two before I finally, quote unquote, willingly walked with them in a group around the corner. Um, it wasn't until we got midway past the showers that I started to get really, really upset, almost to the point of crying. My dad was very much concerned. He said, we can leave. We don't have to stay. And I said, no, no, I want to stay. And as we got around the corner and started to get into the dark side, we had passed the first cell, gone. That whole feeling gone. I was fine. I stopped crying. Took a breath, looked at my dad and said, I'm okay. And my dad and a few of the other investigators who were trying to calm me down looked at me like I had just gone crazy. <laughs> um, I told him, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Everything's fine. I don't know what that was, but I'm fine now. And I managed to placate them, and we moved on. We got out into the courtyard, split up into groups, and moved on with investigating. I still cannot explain that. To this day, it is the weirdest feeling, but I'm pretty sure one of the spirits was just trying to connect somehow. After that, once we split up into groups, it took another 45 minutes, and we finally all met up in the courtyard again, and we were just chatting, catching up, sharing stories to see if anybody had caught anything, and I was starting to get very tired. It was heading towards 2 a.m. by that point, so I stared off into the distance at this guard tower. Um, it had a window facing us, and then it also had another window on a parking lot side, because just on the other side of the wall was either a restaurant or just a parking area. And so there was a light there, and you could see it shining through the parking lot window. You can kind of see inside. While well, I'm standing there staring at it, kind of just enjoying the night sky. It's 2 a.m., and it looks beautiful. Um, and all of a sudden, I see movement. At first, I think I'm seeing things. I rub my eyes. My contacts are, you know, dry. I need water. But I look back again, and nope, no, I'm not seeing things. Someone's there. And you can kind of see a little bit of a head and neck and an upper body, upper torso, move towards my left, kind of halfway, and then 
fully takes up the entire window space. You can just see a little bit of the parking lot light streaming through the other window. It continues moving right, and it's gone for a moment. And it's all very smooth. It looks very human-like in movement. So I don't think anything of it, uh, especially as it comes back. It heads to my right, kind of halfway fills the window, stays there for a moment, and then just continues on to the right, and it's gone. I don't see it again. And I kind of think, oh, my gosh, I'm seeing things. But I turn around to make a comment about it, mostly to my dad saying, okay, I'm seeing things now. We need to go. And the mom from that second group of friends that joined us looked at me, looked at the tower, looked at me again, and said, you saw that too, right? And I, of course, just melted a little because I wasn't seeing things. I was not the only person seeing that movement in the guard tower. And, of course, everyone at that point shuts up and they look at us and we explain what we just saw. Of course, she was off a little more, so she saw more of the movement than I did. But just to see that figure block out the window and take up space was amazing. It was my first shadow figure that I've ever seen. And we tried to debunk it. Um, the director's son had gone off to do some EVP sessions on his own with permission, and we thought it was him. We radioed everybody couldn't explain it, so we just assumed it was something paranormal. Turns out earlier in the week, they had had some activity in that exact guard tower. It included footsteps, seeing a figure, and hearing paper rustling. So to have that kind of backed up and to be able to say, oh my gosh, I saw something, is very cool. The last experience happened almost 15 minutes later. We were saying goodbyes, thanking everyone, and the director asked my dad and I before we left if we wanted to see the top level of the cells in the cell block. They were just starting to renovate them, and she wanted my dad to be able to take pictures of them in their natural state. And it was very cool. We got in there. No one was around. Um, it was very quiet. And it was just us walking up to that uh, top level. We actually ended up going on to the light side, the street light side, uh, avoiding the dark side. But even though I was a little hesitant, I didn't have any other feelings, especially not to the level that I'd felt earlier. So I felt very confident. I was very excited to just kind of see this last thing and go. The director kind of filled us in on what they were doing and pointing out a few things. There were some original memorabilia in there, you could say. There was magazines, a little bit of trash, uh, a calendar on one wall. It was very cool. But about halfway down, we all of a sudden heard footsteps. And they happened for a moment. And a lot of the stairs and steps and things are made out of um, that metal grating. So it's very easy to hear footsteps on metal. And we both all stopped, kind of looked behind us, expecting to see someone come running up, maybe one of our children, um, one of the investigators saying, hey, we need you here. And she called out, hey, anyone there? Who's there? Nothing. Called out one more time just to be sure. Still nothing. So we thought, oh, maybe someone was just passing through to get to solitary or wherever, the cafeteria. So we continued on. Um, we moved on just like a cell or two down, and all of a sudden we heard the footsteps again. And this time I realized they're not coming from behind us. They're coming from in front of us. 
Well, just in between the top and middle tier is a catwalk that the guards used to patrol on. And I realized once I looked at everyone in the face, I'm like, it's coming from there. And it continued for, I would say, 30 seconds total. We ended up quietly walking towards the end of the row, and the footsteps were still going, heavy boots on metal. No one was there. And I finally called out one more time, hello, anyone there? Maybe five seconds later, the footsteps stopped, and we did not hear them again. I turned around, I looked at my dad, and I said, okay, I'm good. We can go. (laughs) It was very cool. And the director had no explanation. We couldn't figure it out. No one else came in or out during the time, just the brief 15 minutes we were in there. And that ended the most memorable experience I had. We left that night with some fun experiences that I still cannot to this day explain. Um, And it was a lot of fun. I have been to the prison museum before. I have been touched and I have seen a blue orb as well, which is very uncommon. But other than that, that is my experience. It was a memorable one, a great one, and it kept me believing that there is more out there than we know. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Thank you, Jillian, for your account. That was a great story with a lot of great detail. And thanks also for listening. So if you have a story of your own you'd like to share, call the Parachronicle hotline at 818-5700126 to leave your story. That's 818-5700126. We'd love to hear from you and feature your story on a future episode. Well, we haven't had a story about the Chinese Communist Party in a while, otherwise known as the CCP. Well, the Philippines are reporting illegal structures have been found on reefs near where Chinese boats have gathered. This from CNN via KION Monterey Salinas, California. The Philippines said Thursday it has discovered illegally built structures on features in the Union Bank's a series of reefs in the South China Sea near where Manila says a flotilla of Chinese fishing vessels allegedly manned by militias had gathered in recent weeks. The country's military said the structures were spotted during maritime patrols conducted on Tuesday, but it did not give the precise location of the structures or more details as to who erected them or as to their construction saying only their presence violated international law. China has been accused of using its vast fishing fleet to help assert Beijing's territorial claims throughout the 1.3 million square mile South China Sea, sort of like Winnie the Pooh stealing a pot of honey. Though China has dismissed accusations it operates an illegal naval force or maritime militia as groundless. Quote, the laws of the sea gives the Philippines indisputable and exclusive rights over the area. These constructions and any other activities, economic or otherwise, are prejudicial to peace, good order, and the security of our territorial waters, Philippines Lieutenant General Serralito Sabahana said in a statement. These structures are illegal. 
Among the features in the Union Banks, which the Philippines calls Pegagisa Banks in Wutsun Reef, called Julian Felipe Reef by Manila. The reef, which is part of the Spratly Islands archipelago, is claimed by both the Philippines and China. The Philippines maintains that it falls inside the country's exclusive economic zone. A 2016 ruling by a United Nations tribunal dismissed China's claim to virtually all of the South China Sea, although Beijing has refused to recognize the decision. China has unilaterally transformed other reefs in the Spratly chain into man-made islands with substantial infrastructure and military fortifications, including missiles, runways, and weapon systems. Whitsun Reef protects a lagoon where the Philippines say more than 200 fishing boats allegedly operated by Chinese maritime militia personnel have amassed over the past several weeks. Manila has protested the presence of the boats with the Chinese government as a violation of its sovereignty and called for them to leave the area. Beijing said the Chinese vessels are just fishing boats and that they were simply escaping rough seas by moving within the lagoon formed by the boomerang-shaped Wutsun Reef, which Beijing calls Niu Gao and claims it as part of its territory. Quote, due to maritime situation, some fishing boats have been taking shelter from the wind near Niu Gao, which is quite normal. We hope relevant sides can view this in a rational light, said Foreign Ministry spokesperson Hua Chunying last week. Well, now on Wednesday, the Philippine government released images and videos of the Chinese vessels, which it says were made on March 27th. Philippine government images going back to March 7th show the Chinese boats in the lagoon back then as well. That means uh, three weeks hanging out because of wind? I don't know if I'm buying that. And finally this week, just a quick note that it looks like we have a date for the maiden flight of NASA's Ingenuity drone helicopter on Mars, the little companion that's been stowed away in Perseverance's belly for the last year plus. April 11th is now the target date for that first hop into the Martian sky. Now, unfortunately, we won't know how successful that first flight was until the following day when the data and hopefully imagery makes its way back to JPL, NASA, and of course the Federation of Planets. I'm just kidding. You know what I'm saying. Well, that's it. That's all I've got for this week. Don't forget to reach out if you see something unusual in the sky or someplace else, or if you have an interesting story to tell. You can call our hotline at 818-570-0126 or find us at www.theparachronicle.com. Please like or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on or pass this podcast on to spread the word about our little show. And until next time, keep your eyes to the sky and know that here on Earth and in the universe... We are not alone. For the Parachronicle Almanac, I'm Jonathan Hawk.